Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brenslick. So, a couple things we have to talk about. Uh, one, have you started experimenting with Chat GPT yet? Um, if not, it's really cool AI. I did a training for it on our Patreon um, for our Patreon members. But the reason I'm bringing up AI is there are certain cool things that are happening with it, like Chat GPT. Love it. But I feel like my Alexa, oh God, are there any in this room? She's going to listen now. Um, she's getting a little creepy. And Kirby's much more uh, technology forward. Like he likes all the creepy ways that technology is changing. And like I admit that, you know, so he always gets me on the like the end goal. The end goal of technology of where they're going is, you know, that I can say, hey, Alexa, what should I get Charlie for her birthday? And Alexa knows our household and what we own and what we don't own and what Charlie's into so much that it gives me a really great gift. And like on the surface, I like that. I mean, if I don't think too much about it, but then every so often it'll just get really, really creepy. Like Last night, we were making homemade pizzas. Kirby got a pizza oven for Christmas that we've been using, and it's really fun. Totally not gluten-free, but awesome. This is like the in-between. He says he wants a, like an official brick pizza oven in our backyard, and I'm like, hmm, let's see. That sounds really – no. Um, let's see if you use this first. So I tell Alexa to play dinner music. And she plays Italian dinner, like, what did she call it? Italian dinner music, I think is what she called it. And I was like, oh, bitch, how'd you know we, mm, how'd you know we were making pizza? Like, how did you know? You, there's no way. She's never played Italian music before. The other thing, ooh, okay, so the other way she could have been creeping out is being all creepy is I'm trying to learn Italian on Duolingo because our family might be going to Italy this summer. She also could have been tracking my Google flights and known, oh, so many different creepy ways. And then also, so then this morning, I'm currently packing for Mexico because I'm taking my mom to Cabo for her birthday. And like I'm pouring my coffee cup and there's a story about, it's just like, man, 
found dead in Mexico ruled an accident. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, what, what, where, where in Mexico? And like, of course, it's over by Cabo and the Baja, where I don't know where Cabo is versus the Baja. And, and so it's just like showing me that like this guy with a bullet, you know, in his head is like, that was ruled an accident. And I'm like, oh my God, no, Alexa, can you stop being so creepy? Oh my gosh. So anyways, it's getting a little too much. Would you like to hear an embarrassing story? Yes, I know you would. Okay, so I have extensions. I've had extensions for a long time now, uh, probably closer to a year and a half, two years. And the kind of extensions I have is they're like almost like glued in, like hot glued in. And then every once in a while that bond will kind of get loose and the hair can like just kind of slip out. Like not if I'm just standing there talking to someone, slip out. But if I'm like messing with my hair, which I will do when just because I'm a fiddler. Okay. So I'm at therapy the other day and I'm apparently fiddling with my hair and we're having a conversation about how I keep my emotions in. And I'm saying to my therapist, like, what if I'm just kind of a psychopath and I don't actually have as many emotions as other people? So I'm not suppressing emotions. And as I'm trying to make a case that I actually might just maybe be, you know, not super emotional or nervous or deal with anxiety or things like that in the way that other people, I, without even realizing, pull out a strand of hair that is loose and shove it in my pocket. And she just goes, what, what did you just do? And I was like, um, when I'm, I pulled one of my extensions out and nervously shoved it in my pocket. And, and then we had this whole like side conversation about how like the previous day I was paying for coffee and I pulled out my wallet and I had shoved a piece of hair in my purse and so like as I'm in front of the barista pulling out my wallet there's oh there's a piece of hair and so we just kind of get I need to find a new place to shove my hair when it falls out in inappropriate times or is pulled out one more funny old embarrassing story about me so I used to before I had fake nails chew my nails I still chew my nails quite a bit more than my nail lady would like me to do but <laughs> so there's one time when I was pregnant. So this is a really old story. I must have gone and like chewed all like 10 of my fingernails. And so I'm sitting there with a pile of <laughs> nails that I've like chewed. And I don't know where I was that I couldn't like just throw them away. And so I take this pile of nail clippings out of my mouth and I shove them in my coat pocket. So fast forward like a year or two, my friend is pregnant and she doesn't want to buy a maternity coat. And I was like, oh, you can borrow mine. So I go grab it from the basement, give it to her. She puts it on right then and there. And as she's leaving my house, she puts her hands in the pockets and goes, what is this? And pulls out my little pile of nail clippings. <laughs> so in case you guys needed to know that I am a very weird person. Very weird person. There you go. So, okay. So we have a listener highlight today. This is from Sarah Bestie. Um, and it says, hey, Dr. Lauren, love the podcast. I found you when I was in my last weeks of pregnancy slash final quarters of Cairo school when I needed something other than all the birthing podcasts. 
I was listening to you on my morning walks. You have been a real treasure in my Cairo world. You've taught me a shit ton and never ceased to pique my interest in directions I've never considered. I love that about your show and all that you share. It's a great gift. So thanks a mil. I would tell you you're super cool too, but I know you know that. Ha, joke's on you, Sarah. I am not super cool. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to send me that. She also sent it with a question. And so reminder that, you guys, I want to know your questions. And so if I ever ghost you on Instagram, it's because that's not where you should submit your question. Submit your question on our website and maybe you will get your own episode devoted and as always, of course, I can give you a pseudo name. So if you have a super embarrassing question, I would love to answer it. And I, it can be a, just a secret between you and me. Okay. All right. So today's episode is me in the past talking to students about what I would do if I had to start over with $10,000. Um, well, I don't know if I said exactly $10,000. Let's say with inflation, I said 15. I don't know. You'll hear. You'll hear what I say. Um, but it's basically for all my startups and my students, this is my advice and what I would do nowadays if I had to start over or chose to start over, you know, whatever had the opportunity. So with all of my wisdom, I have applied it to this episode. And the farther I get from starting up, you know, I would love if you, when you listen, if there's something like if you're a wise old chiropractor like me, if there's something blaringly obvious that I missed, screenshot this, tag me, add your advice. I'll share it. I'll share it on the gram. So let's pray for my fake hair and nails that they stay on my body. No, just kidding. And and pray and pray for me in Mexico so I don't accidentally get shot in the head. Oh man, trigger warning. Sorry. Whoops. Hopes your kids aren't listening. Dear God. Hmm, thank you so much for the students that are coming up after us, after me. Thank you for what they are doing to our profession and ways that they are going to change and spread the message of chiropractic, help, um, help this episode reach as many people who are taking on bold, courageous risks of starting a business, whether it's a chiropractic practice or not, um, help them have people in their life that they can turn to, uh, when they're scared because starting a business is really scary. And, if you've put that seed, let them know those that feel that seed that one day this is what they want to do. No, water that seed. Let them know that that seed's probably not going to go away. And at some point, they're just going to have to jump. And so help resources like this and other resources come into their life so they can do big, scary things and help the profession of chiropractic. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, without further ado, here's me in the past talking to students. Enjoy. So I wanted to kind of play with this topic of growth strategies and maybe take it a direction that either A, I haven't talked about on the podcast before, or maybe you haven't heard someone um, put this through a different lens. So today I kind of want to go back and say like, if I was starting for $10,000. Like if I had to start from nothing and maybe it's because I watched a Grant Cardone like thing the other day and he was talking about how he was on like 
undercover billionaire or something like that. And they like give them a hundred dollars and nine or three months, 90 days to make a million dollars. Um, by the way, I don't really, I, that was my first experience with Grant Cardone. I, I was not a fan, just a little too bro-y. Um, like if you believe in yourself, just hustle your ass and you can do it. But anyways, that's beside the point. <laughs> um, so I wanted to go like, okay, let's talk about growth strategies for a prenatal and pediatric practice. But let's do it in the exercise of like, I have $10,000 and I am looking to start a practice. Like what, what would I actually really do? So there's a couple different like precursors before I get into the timeline of what I would actually do. Um, so one, I am, you know, I gave myself the $10,000 limit because I really believe that you are coming out of school with a ton of debt and, whoa, you guys are making me really nauseous by moving the camera around a lot. There we go. Grace, get your shit together. There we go. Okay. So I put the $10,000 limit on there because I believe in starting with really low overhead. That's just my opinion. Uh, a lot of, in fact, all of today is my opinion. And I welcome you to take what works for you and disregard what doesn't feel in alignment for you. But what I see and have seen on Instagram is a lot of brand new startups out of school. I don't know, maybe they don't have the debt that I'm assuming they have. Um, but most of like, nod your head if you've got debt from school. Yes. Okay. Thought so. Um, and so perhaps they were able to get a bank loan or a parent loan or something like that. Maybe they saved money um, from their student loans. I don't know how I feel about that. Don't ask me. But either way, I see these 1500 square foot build outs, neon signs, gorgeous front desks, like like this is the thing that nobody tells you. Do you know how expensive front desks are? They're very expensive. Like even getting somebody to make your own front desk, you're looking at about two grand, just like right there with the duck. So anyway, so I see these and I'm like, wow, it's so beautiful and it's so impressive. And I think that there is a fine line between wanting to look like you are trustworthy and have your shit together and kind of that whole like fake it till you make it. Like, I don't want people to know that this is only the ninth adjustment that I've given to a child, you know, like um, trying to, okay, air quotes, fool them. Okay, don't get pissed when I say this and air quotes, trying to like validate and fool yourself. So there is this gray area between like, do I want you to open up in a back alley out of a dumpster with a foldable table? No, I don't. I think a foldable table sends the wrong message that you are could be gone tomorrow. So I like a very permanent table. I also don't think um, having your neighbors selling crack is a good idea either or meth or whatever they sell in back alleys. So like, we don't wanna be so low overhead that, you know, it's sketchy. But do we need all of the things? 
And so I'll kind of get into, and that's the lens that I put a lot of my decisions through when I said this, is I believe in sticking as low overhead in the beginning as possible. Reason being, the goal is to make money. And this is a big thing um, that is on my heart kind of in the last year or two because my experience was starting very low overhead and have grown spaces, sizes, locations, people, staff of, you know, like 10 plus and gotten to a point with massive overhead. And that's okay because we're having a bigger impact. We wouldn't be able to adjust the 700 plus people we are without people and spaces. But did I do it in the most in the smartest, most profitable way. Would I do it the exact same way? Not necessarily, because at the end of the day, bigger doesn't always mean better. And in the beginning, your first and foremost needs to be on profitability and making money. Okay. So like, I don't want to offend anybody um, who knows someone or this or that, but like ultimately make sure when you are setting up your practice in the beginning, check, am I doing this because I'm trying to impress someone or because I think it's necessary to establish trust? Okay. That's your filter. Is this neon sign that $600 that says, sorry for what I said before I got adjusted. Am I doing it because it's Instagram impressive because it makes me stand out as like a cool hipster new clinic or hipster is like probably not, that's like a millennial word. Not, I don't even know what you guys would call it. Like, oh. um, just put it in the chat because I, I want to know. Like, uh, but, um, or am I doing it because I think that this will attract more new patients because I think this will increase my conversions, okay? That's the filter of how, of like how big of a space, how much money you're spending on decor and this and that. So the next kind of thing to really think about when starting up and, you know, wanting to grow, I believe in, I believe obviously in innate intelligence. I believe in universal energy. I believe in God's intentions. They're all in my mind, the same thing. And I believe that going against the flow of where things are naturally lining up will give you a much harder uphill battle. Um, I'm going to butcher the story, so I won't go like into great detail, but Joanna Gaines, Fixer Upper, Magnolia Farms, all that stuff. Yes, this is not too old of a reference for you guys. Okay, good. Um, so she wrote and or told in an interview once that she was actually gaining traction a, a decade ago, even a couple decades ago, like I said, butchering the details, but not important. And she paused to focus on family and have kids. And she was really worried that, you know, the opportunities that she was saying no to weren't going to be there. But then naturally opportunity started to come back at the right timing. And she got more exposure and growth and success in one year than she would have likely if she had just like stuck it out, gone against what her innate intelligence was telling her to do and just drove hard for the last 10. So what I mean by that is 
it's okay to have a very solid idea of what you think you want to do. Maybe you think I am going to associate for 18 months and then I am going to move home and this is what I'm going to do. I already know the space. Like that's great um, because you're in student mode and as grad students, all you've had is a lot of certainty about your future basically since kindergarten, okay? So you have to realize for the last 15 to 20 years of your life, you have been gifted unknowingly certainty of what is coming next. Next year, you know you're going to chiropractic school and that next year you'll be in your second year of chiropractic school and that next year will be your final year. And now as you're on the precipice, precipice, I don't really know why I chose to use a word I don't know. Um, while you're on the cusp of graduating, it's okay to want to be certain about what this that first year is going to be. And it's okay to want to be certain about what the first five years of practice are going to look like. But I want you to hold room, allow for margin for God, innate, universal, to guide you possibly along a different path, possibly on the same path. So when you're looking for opportunities of employment or spaces to rent out, just stay so in tune with where you're being guided and what opportunities. You know, the what happened with me is I planned on starting or like associating in Minneapolis. I'm a Northwestern grad and I knew I didn't want to start a practice right away. This is when I was like about seven months from graduating. I knew that I wanted to associate for a while and eventually I would start a practice in Minneapolis. And then eventually I, my husband and I, he was in corporate America. He would climb the, the corporate scale and eventually maybe 20 or 30 years into my career, we would move to small town where he's from and live a simple life removed from the chaos. And about four months before graduation, I was at a Culver's <laughs> eating lunch with a friend and she literally she had no idea that she was speaking innate intelligence. She had no idea that she was being a pawn in universal flow. And she just said, remind me again why you guys aren't moving home right away. And I remember the booth we were sitting at and I, it just threw me. And I was like, well, I don't know. I actually, I don't know. And I, before I even got to my car, I called at that time, my fiance and said like, what if we move to Rice Lake right away? And what if we start a practice right away? And obviously this was not in his plan for the day. And we, in the course of about 24 hours, redirected our entire life. Now, I don't know how it would have worked out if I had stayed in Minneapolis. I don't know if I would have gone on to have the practice success we had. I don't know if I would have gone on to start She Slays the Day, like I have no idea. But I know that in that moment, I followed what, where I was being called and things, big air quotes here, just seemed to line up. We decided we were gonna start a practice. Well, guess what? There was a very small affordable 
chiropractic practice who knew I was coming to town because I had reached out about interning who said, actually, I kind of want to get out of this. You want to buy my practice for $19,000 turnkey? Like, why? Yes, I do. Like, and things just air quotes happen to line up. And so when you are looking to have a successful practice, we can't overlook the idea of listening to where you are being guided. Perhaps you, so like one of the number one things is that I'll say is like, start low overhead, find a room, 500 to 800 square feet is really all you need. Um, if it's a standalone building, if it's your own location, if it's in a birth center, if it's in like, you know, wherever it is, well, I don't say, again, not next to the crack dealer people, you know, maybe go in alignment close to a school or a library, something like that. Um, if that's your plan and all of a sudden you're just not seeing that and you stumble across a 2000 square foot building that has a space, but you're like, how would I afford that overhead? And you send out some emails to local like lactation, this, this, and this and say, Hey, before, before I sign this lease, would you want to like this? And somebody's like, Oh my God, I can't believe you emailed. I was like, this is perfect. Okay. Like completely different opportunity than you had on paper, but you, you just go with that. And I promise you, as long as you take action, just take action, following your intuition. I'm going to send that email. I'm going to call that realtor. I'm going to do that and realize that some of the doors are going to open and you're just going to walk right through them. And it's going to be like, whoa, that was freaking easy. And some, you're just not even going to get a response. Like they're not even going to call you back and that's okay. You just have to keep Keep taking action, keep sending the email, keep making the thing and like not letting your fear get in the way of just movement because the first, you know, three months prior to opening and then for sure the first three to six months, if not three to six years, you're just going to take action and realize that the, the fear of embarrassment the fear of lack of skill, the fear of being perfect, doing it perfectly is going to get in your way and waste your time. So this, this fear of needing things to be perfect before you put out the flyer, before you send the email, before you post the video to Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, that fear of perfection is going to cost you. When you look at all of your action over a year, I would rather see 500% more action. Uh Oh, I started doing math. I hate when I like start down a sentence and I'm like, oh, you don't know how to end this sentence, like sounding eloquent. Like I would rather see you take so much more massive action the three months before you start in the first nine months and so much more failure in there than worrying about taking more action. There's actually a study. Oh, what book is it in? It's either in Ed Milet's new book or Atomic Habits. I believe it's in Atomic Habits where this professor in Florida divided his class into two and like half of the class needed to create one piece of like perfect content. I don't remember if it was a paper or what. And then the other half needed to create as many 
as possible. And at the end of the semester, what the professor found was actually the group that produced massive, like who was challenged with not worrying about one perfect piece and that they were gonna be graded on the number of pieces they made, he actually found more quality in there. And was there crap in there? Absolutely. But he found actually the best pieces of content were in that group and not the group that was tasked with making one perfect paper, one perfect piece of content. So I just need, you're gonna, you're just gonna need to remind yourself, like tattoo it on your arm, maybe temporary tattoo, cause you only need it the first few months once it gets going. So when I actually dive into like, okay, you know, what would I actually do? This is going to seem a little bit like Lauren's favorite things, I promise you. Uh, this talk to your class is not sponsored by anyone. Um, but I have found that in today's time, um, automation and technology are really, I mean, this isn't like game changing here, people, uh, but they are the most cost efficient way that I would grow. So like, I'm going to say the programs that we use, I don't know where you're at in school. If you're not graduating for another two years, maybe there'll be a whole new fancy program. Um, three months from now, there could be a different thing, but yo, know, so I'll use. So if I was given $10,000 to do it all over again, reminder that the goal is to make money. So six months prior to opening, I would start creating my own logo, start creating my own website. Six months out is really, in my opinion, too early to start worrying about making a lot of connections. And so I would start doing a lot of the graphic things that waste time when you could be making human connection, right? Like one month before you open, I don't want you on a computer. I want you IRL, okay? Like I want you shaking hands, kissing babies at every little farmer's market thing there because all of that stuff, that's that's the free stuff, the face-to-face. -face. And when you're a month out, like that's when it's not too far. And what I do find is that a lot of new grads like to hide behind their, their Instagram or their TikTok and say that they're creating educational content and that's also marketing. Yes, it is. Of course it is. But I would like a one-to-one -one ratio. We'll get back to that. So six months up, I want you using the free tools. Like make your own, make your own logo. Listen, if you can't make a logo then go to something like Fiverr or Upworks and pay someone $10 to make you a logo. Literally, you know, you gone are the days, oh my gosh, when I started, like if we would have needed to pay someone, like luckily my husband's multi-skilled, um, but back in 2010, it was not crazy to pay someone $200 to create you a logo and $1,000 for a website. Now, six months out, you've got the time. Spend six hours on a Saturday using something like Square or Wix to and their templates to make a logo okay? or make a logo and a website. Like do those things for free. Um, I would still do business cards, but I would make sure I have like a QR code on there. Um, the QR code, I would probably link to something like a link tree. Um, just in today's like, so instead of having the QR code go directly to your website, I would have it go to a link tree where people can choose like check out a website, 
check out social, like Instagram, check out Facebook and give them kind of just the options. I would also start working six months out on a, um, like probably two max of three, but like minimum of one free piece of content that I am going to have blasted everywhere in exchange for an email. Okay. So think like five easy ways to keep your child healthy this cold and flu season. Um, my must have a baby shower registry list, like just pieces of content that you are going to make pretty on Canva and, you know, sure, sneak chiropractic in there, but it's really, this is about the exchange of what they want for their email. So on my link tree, I would have like, and you can use like Google Forms or JotForm, like, you know, literally go in and go like MailChimp, Constant Contact. A lot of those are free until you get to a certain number of emails. But like, I would create a couple pieces of content that I have out there on my QR code on my link tree, on my Facebook page, on all this stuff that is like, take this and in order to get it, you get their email. So I would definitely do that and start collecting emails. I wish, I wish that people cared as much about collecting emails as they did about collecting followers. And I'm going to say that one more time. Um, in the beginning, it is very, very tempting to be obsessed with, like, we have all been trained. I can't, like, I would be lying if I, like, this is the human part of me, okay? Like, I was on a podcast. I've gained 120 followers in the last five days. And I'm like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Like, I know how many followers I have right now. So I've been trained also, but need to remember, like, it's okay to care, but care just as much about collecting those emails um, as followers. Hey, She Slayers. When I first started practice, I thought I needed to dress a certain way for patients to trust me, and I spent hours trying to design communication and marketing materials that worked. After 12 years of practice, here's a couple things I've learned. One, I don't have to wear dress pants and button-ups for a patient to take me seriously. And two, why recreate the wheel when a design professional has already done all the work for me? Well-Aligned offers solutions in both of these categories. They have the coolest and most comfy chiropractic shirts that will showcase your personality as well as beautifully designed communication and marketing tools to help drive new patients, get more referrals, and gain better retention in your practice. From the best chiropractic apparel to modern patient education materials, Well-Aligned has you covered. All She Slayers get 10% off plus free shipping on orders of $75 or more with promo code SHESLAYS. Visit www.wellaligned.com to save. Hi friends, I wanted to take a quick break from the episode to make sure you all know about the cool stuff we have happening over on Patreon. This is a platform where I can offer you extra content, behind the scenes interviews, quick trainings, and exclusive trainings answering your exact question live, back to back with me. It's a way for me to more directly interact with you and post some fun things that would never be in the normal weekly episodes. To check out what we're doing and to sign up, click the link in the show notes. 
Hey, She Slayers, so many of you connect with my story as a chiropractor because I started all wrong. Years into practice, I had to completely turn it around from being an insurance and pain-based model to a thriving subluxation-based cash practice. I have a lot of ways that that happened, but I am not exaggerating when I say the number one thing I changed was adding CLA's Insight scanning technology. The Insight helped grow our practice from 300 people a week to over 500 a week in the course of one year, purely by showing objective findings and providing reports to patients. So many docs I talk to struggle to communicate the why behind a care plan when the patient's pain goes away in a few visits. They struggle to keep patients after insurance stops paying. They don't know how to explain why a kid benefits from chiropractic care, even though they have no symptoms. They don't do progress exams because what am I going to do to show the patient progress? I am telling you every single thing I just said, my answer to the doc is, are you using insight scanning technology in your clinic yet? Because it's the solution to all of those issues. If you have questions, the staff at CLA is absolutely incredible and will help answer those questions and help implement this big change into your practice. Click the link below in the show notes as She Slays listeners get preferred pricing and hundreds of dollars off their purchase. In the beginning, let's talk about content. Um, so I would... so. Later on, you can do some of the lip syncs and all of like the fun stuff that is like easy to make. And it's, what do they call it? Like edutainment. Edutainment is great. Once you're like a month into practice, and I'm just kind of like throwing out ishy numbers here, and you're kind of getting busy during the week. Um, and so you don't have as much time and you want to be consistent. It's okay to have some of those edutainment, but before you open your doors, all you have is time. So I want you, if you are going to make an Instagram, make a TikTok, I do not want you to care if it goes viral at all. In fact, we might have you even delete it if it starts going viral, depending on where you're practicing and you're going to really monitor followers and where they're coming from. And as soon as those followers so, so let's say you throw something out there and you're like, whoa, this is going viral. This is amazing. My follower count's going up. I want you to very closely monitor the followers that are coming in and like go and look and see if you can figure out where they're living. So like if you live in, if you're starting a practice in San Diego and you go viral and you start collecting a hundred followers a day, a thousand followers, start paying attention. And as long as they're like in... San Diego, it's okay. Keep that thing going. But, and this is controversial. If you start seeing where you're collecting a hundred followers a day and they're from all over the country, what I would do is delete it. I would stop it because I mean, there are so many, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. I have an entire episode called like talking about how you don't actually want to go viral. Um, and it's kind of true, but it's also, there's, there's a tangent or like asterisks with that. So, um, but you're going to be voice to camera. You're not going to be using lip syncs. 
you the month or two beforehand, you are, let me show you what a typical day is. Like, let me talk to you about the scan. Let me talk to you about this. Let me show you what like the most common concerns are that a new patient presents. You're just producing voice to camera content and it's going to seem boring. Um, it's not going to like catch like wildfire. It's not going to give you the dopamine rush of like, oh my God, that got seen that 4,000 times. Um, but you're creating this content. So when you're busier, people who find you and go down the rabbit hole and actually are going to become a fruitful new patient have education that they can like really actually learn about your processes. And then once you actually have that, then you can easily make highlights. You can make YouTube shorts. Like you can really repurpose that stuff and it will not become irrelevant. If you spend all your time making like trends and things like that, six months from now, it's not relevant. Okay. That's part of what makes something go super, super viral is that it's on, on a trend. And so then like six months a year, it doesn't seem. Um, so we talked about ideal space. I would go low. I would make something homey. Okay. Homey is the key word. I don't know that, you know, like I would use color. I would paint the walls orange. Like I would go for like classy pediatric, but pediatric. I would not go for Joanna Gaines designed this room. I think it's boring and I don't think you're going to stand out. I would make bold decisions with not my logo and my font. Okay. Like, oh my gosh. I, to this day, I think one of the best pieces of advice I got when I was starting up was to not use the font papyrus. This is a joke that is going to go over all of your heads. Um, probably, uh, I think there's actually like an SNL skit about, uh, James Cameron and avatar and papyrus. I don't know. It was like a really trending font back in 2010. Everybody was using it. And like the, my brother-in-law who was helping create my logo was just like, no classic. Times New Roman, like da, da 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 So when it comes to your logo, don't make super bold choices. But when it comes to your space, things like paint and colors, like that can really is cheap, is very, very cheap. Peel and stick wallpaper. Okay, wallpaper is actually not that cheap. Um, so I don't know if I was only given $10,000 if I would invest $1,000 on wallpaper because that's actually how much it would likely cost. Trust me, I'm Airbnb right now and like wallpapering everything. It's so expensive. But like maybe six months in, I would do it. So I would, let's see, what else do we have? So I, would, I talked about I would do a ton of external talks. I would do everything. Um, I would be trying to sign people up. So you're going to want to make sure that you have a way that you can collect money. So like literally, if that is just like squares like plug into your phone. Great. Um, now eventually you're going to want to be able to set up plans. And by eventually, I mean, by the first day that you do your like review of findings, I'm a big, big fan of care plans. Big, big fan of them. I have yet to talk to a, well, that's not true. Okay. I'm going to already take it back. There are, there are very successful pediatric chiropractors that don't do care plans. I just don't like, I have control issues. So like for me, I like my care plans, but like I interviewed Courtney Kayla on the podcast and she didn't do care plans. And like, I think everybody could hear my mouth gaping open at like, what? 
how how do people complete that so in my experience the way i my personality is that i get a much more much more follow through with patients when i have that so something like cash practice um, I don't know how much it costs a month, but like it would be worth it if you're going to do care plans, because what you can do is you can just set up like, okay, you want to pay $150 a week for 16 weeks. That's a great thing. You want something that's going to be automated. So whether it's cash practice or something else, like, I don't know if the Jane app or this or that don't care, but you're going to want your first day two to be able to set up a payment plan because as far as like do you hire a CA right away in the beginning? Mm, I don't know. I would say that my goal would be to in the one to two months before I open to get like obviously as many new patients on the book as possible, but I'm going to be collecting half of that new patient special. So like, let's say I plan on my new patient pricing being $100. I might give and I'm speaking at a mom and me group. At the end, I might say like, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get on at a discounted rate in the first weeks of opening, yada, yada, 50 bucks to hold your spot, 40 bucks to hold your spot. Um, because seriously, people like your no-show rate will go down. Like if you have somebody who doesn't have to put anything money down two months in advance, like their possibility of showing up are pretty small. So I would make sure I'm collecting something in the beginning, but then eventually you're going to need to go to like by day two, you want to be able to collect a massive amount. So now the goal would be once you, let's say you get to about 50 new patients on your schedule for those first couple weeks, if you're planning on doing care plans, you can say, okay, let's go with an 80% conversion. Now that might be high in the beginning. I don't know, but you're going to spend some time that first month before you start practicing your conversion. So hopefully, you know, it's kind of hard to practice a conversion when you don't actually have someone on the other line saying, yes, I'll give you $2,000. Um, but you're going to practice your communication beforehand. So let's just say you got 50 people on the books the first week first two weeks, because you hustled ass, not through Instagram and TikTok, but by like walking door to door, introducing yourself, doing talks, wherever you can get in, they 80% of them sign up. Is that 40 people? I think so. Okay. At three times a week, that means that within the first two to three weeks, you might be seeing 120 people a week. Okay. So do I need a CA at 120 people a week? Yes, I would absolutely need a CA, but I'm not going to just hire a CA unless I'm actually executing successfully that plan. If I only have five to 10 new patients on the books the first week or two because marketing isn't going as planned, I would hold off and use tools like SCED and just like a text service and like a, basically SCED is going to replace a CA in the beginning where you're not having to worry about overhead. So I didn't have a CA until I was six, like for sure until I was 50 to 75 a week. I saved that money. I pocketed that money. Okay. Like there are just different ways. And if you're going like, no, I think that makes me look not established if I'm doing everything. 
okay, is that like, I, I could, I could debate that. I wouldn't say you'd be straight up wrong if you're going to take that stance that like having a CA is going to buy trust. All right, sure. But like how much are you paying them? And is it going to buy you that much trust? And like, really, we're just talking about, you know, you might literally be hiring a CA. If your marketing plan is going great, you might be hiring a CA before you start. But literally, I would have a room. I would have SCED. I would have cash practice. And I would have an insight scanner. Me, my hands, my mouth, scans, and a cell phone. And I would make as much money as I possibly could on that, in that space. I saw 340 people a week in a an adjusting space that was 400 square feet. Okay? Like... It was a tiny, well, and then there was 400 square feet of waiting room and like front desk, but like you just couldn't really reconfigure things without a massive build out. Like, so like you can do that. I didn't have, like the place was nice. It was very nice. Was it Instagram impressive? No, we had red carpeting, literally red carpeting that I hated. I hated that red carpeting. From the moment I saw that space, I was like, oh, I cannot wait to replace that carpeting. So interesting story. Two years in, we were seeing 250 people a week. And I was like, I didn't own the space. So I was like, hey, landlord, will you replace this carpeting? And they were like, absolutely not. And I was like, okay, cool. I will pay for new carpeting because I hated it that much. And I had looked at it long enough. So on the day that I had no longer red carpeting and beautiful new like office-y carpeting that's probably in the room you're in. I saw like 52, 55-ish people that day. One person noticed and commented on the carpeting. Do you know who it was? The landlord's wife, like the person who owned the building. 50 some people did not give a shit that my ugly red, dirty, dirty carpeting was gone and it was replaced with something new. So you just have to count your dollars. Like, please just be so smart about how you're spending your money. Final thing I'll say before we do kind of questions is like, you know, along the line of like having a big fancy party, I don't think you need it. I don't think you need it. Like you can do it later. Like throw a party. So we moved into a building. We went from renting to owning. And like, if you haven't seen the, our building that we built, like go on my Instagram and check out, like it's way back, but like, it's a video. Um, it's beautiful. And I wanted to show that baby off, but we didn't get around to hosting like a grant in my mind, a grand opening party for a year and a half. Now, did we call it a grand opening party? No, we just threw it a back to, we just called it a back to school party. Like you can throw a party whenever you want. You don't need to throw this $2,000 elaborate party for the community in the beginning. There are creative ways. Talk to your chamber of commerce about um, hosting like a business after five, getting people in there. Like, uh, reach out to a mom's group and see like, hey, do you guys want to like use the space? Like, well, you only have 800 square feet. Like, you know, you can be creative about getting people in your space that it doesn't cost you money. So this is why I put kind of the max on you once you're actually open to really 
limit how much you allow your brain to get distracted with making TikToks, reels, and content for um, the internet. Because I believe that that will make you feel like you are being productive. When you could have put, shot, like, sure, shoot something out there. If it takes you 15 minutes to do and throw out there, great. I don't care about that. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the people who spend way too much time, air quotes, researching trends and then making the right thing and editing and finding the hashtags. Are they still relevant? Are they no? No, are they? I don't know. Nobody knows if hashtags still work. Um, and the person who spends three to six hours doing that, trying to make this most perfect piece of content that's going to be impactful, and instead they could have spent 15 minutes and sat and thought creatively about like, what do I do? And I'm going to kind of bring this all back round, sir, full circle. There we go. Round table, full circle uh, to the beginning where I talked about you don't have a ton of certainty because you're going to be following the opportunities that are uniquely present in your life and your community. I can't sit up here and tell you, like, do these 20 things for your marketing plan because I don't know if those opportunities are in your area. If you're going to stand out in your area, have maybe the area you're going, your heart's being called to, but there's so many other pediatric chiropractors. So if you follow like this exact startup plan, you're not going to stand out. And so I want to give you that time to sit and go like, okay, what's a creative, cheap way to get face-to-face -face in front of my ideal people? Because the two things that are not going to cost you money are your hands and your mouth. And you already spent a ton of money getting your hands to do the work and to know what to do, or at least pretend they know what to do for the first couple months, and your mouth to say the words. And the more you just use those things for free, the more you are going to see and take imperfect action, you are just going to see money coming in and it doesn't cost you. So there we go. Do we have any questions? Um, with a cash-based practice, did you find a lot of people turning away because you didn't take insurance? That's a complicated answer for me. I'll try to keep it short. I started in, uh, in network. I would not, I'm glad you asked that because I would not do that again because I had to figure out how when I decided I wanted to be out of network, we were seeing over 300 people a week and I had to, you know, and collecting like one insurance company, I was collecting like over $10,000 a month from, and it was Medicaid. Okay. Like people who didn't have to pay for it. So it wasn't like, oh, they already have a $25 copay. This won't be bad. Like, no, this was bad. Um, and I had to figure out how to change the direction of a high speed train um, without losing momentum. So what I would anticipate is that your money mindset, poverty mindset is going to get in the way of your conversion a lot more in the beginning. Um, I would rather see you be honest and have a lot less people get on your schedule in the first place than 
get people on your schedule and your conversions suffer. So we're very clear on our on our website, in our new patient phone call. Anytime that we're scheduling a new patient, um, we definitely let them know that we do not submit to insurance. Here's why if you have questions and really just allow them to knock it on the schedule if that is a big deal for them. Uh, so your conversion to getting people on your schedule, if you're honest and upfront right away, will suffer, but that's okay. I would rather speak to a room of 20 people and let them know, like, we don't take insurance. Here's why. Here's how we approach your finances and how do we try and make it easy for you. And two of 20 get on my schedule. Then I kind of like hold it close to the vest and 20 people get on the schedule. And then I only convert two of them. Do you find with the cash practice that more people will often go towards the care plan because often it can be cheaper in the long run? Yes. So I think that the cash practice is the reason that the care plans, um, that we have such a high conversion on our care plans. Anytime I talk to a doctor who is like struggling to get someone to finish a care plan, they kind of like taper off after the first couple of weeks. They're doing a mix of insurance. And so it's like the patient knows they get 15 visits and agrees, yes, totally on day two to doing 36 visits or 48 visits. And then like weird around visit 13, 14, 15, they just start ghosting you. So uh, the transparency of being a cash practice, that's the other thing is like insurance is complicated and they will honestly say, oh yeah, they have 100% coverage. And then like you start submitting and they do not have 100% coverage. And like, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I told you this was going to be free, but now all of a sudden you owe me $280 and the bills are going to keep coming in because there's still 12 claims out. And then the patient gets mad and they end up quitting anyways because they're mad at you because you didn't predict the future of what insurance was going to do. And like some people insurance are going to like hear this at some point and go like, that's not true. A lot of insurance is pretty straightforward. That's great. Like, I don't know. I'm not trying to like lie about insurance at all. But my overall experience is when insurance is not involved, you can be very transparent, very transparent. This is what it is going to cost you. There's no surprises. It will cost you this much if you pay as you go. It will cost you this much if you pay up front. It will cost you this much if you pay over time. And there's no surprises. Hi. Okay, so my question, I guess it's kind of more of your opinion, <laughs> given your experiences. I'm so. full of opinions, so this is great. Yeah. I'm a doctor. She sees a lot of pediatrics, and I really like a lot of the things about her practice. She's kind of looking to retire soon. There are a lot of things I didn't necessarily like, that she takes like 95% insurance. And it didn't seem like she liked that either. So I was like, well, why do you take it? 
And she said, because she sees a lot of teachers and people who work at the hospital, mm -hmm. and I guess they have good insurance. And so, that's debatable, by the way. Yeah. So like <laughs> schools and nurse, teachers and nurses have gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse insurance over the last 12 years. Like every year that I've been in practice, I've seen them get worse and worse. But yeah. So I'm thinking like my options are like, obviously just open up on my own maybe work with her, possibly take over practice, but then long-term, like, like you're saying, it's definitely, like, harder to just convert people from... Are you talking about buying her practice? Yeah, potentially. Hmm. Well, here's what I can say. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you, because obviously what you literally just said is what I know. So I don't want to be a hypocrite and say, because in the beginning I said follow opportunities that are coming your way. But I will say that um, that doesn't sound cheap. It sounds like an expensive way to open a practice and then you're going, the reality is, okay, totally in my opinion. The reality of why she's out of network is because she's scared because she's chained to the money and she's scared because she doesn't want to make less money and she does not know for sure if she goes out of network, if she will make as much money as she's making in network. So I would not choose to pay to be chained to insurance. So I, I, that, that's, that's all I'll say. I am going to have Janice Hughes on the podcast very soon. Like literally I'm interviewing her in like 20 minutes. Um, and I will ask her about that conundrum that a lot of docs go into because we're going to talk about selling your practice. And I have, you know, it's just easier and easier just to start your own. Like if you want a cash practice and she's got an insurance one, I don't know why you'd pay for that. Oh, I said it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, I hope this was super helpful. Like, send me a DM uh, at She Slays if you guys have any questions. If I don't respond, I'm not avoiding you or trying to ghost you. Just send another one because I just lose shit in my DM. So good luck, you guys. And if anybody wants to come up to Rice Lake, we're not that far away. But we have a really great, great mentorship program. And we're also rolling out kind of a new startup program where even if you want to open your own, if you can commit to like 18 months, we can train you in like the business side of things and marketing and like send you on your way of like, yep, go start now type thing. So reach out if you're interested because um, my intern... Uh, who was a Palmer grad, like she was adjusting by the end of her first month of her internship, she was adjusting over a hundred kids a week. So you will get your numbers. Well, you'll get your confidence. Let's just say that. Have a good day. Yeah. Bye guys. Hey, She Slayers. Are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. 
If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. Don't wait.